this is Kiki Ra, and you're listening to For the... Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs, and for the lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Welcome to For the Lore. This is Monday, the 15th of February. And before we get started with the show, I wanted to take a moment and pay homage, not just to this day, but also to the 15th of May or thereabouts. As it was on that 15th of May or thereabouts that a younger Mr. and Mrs. Perez consumed far too much tequila and proceeded to do the nasty for what we can only hope was a couple of hours. And the result of that messy ordeal was a bouncing ball of shamanistic rage known and loved by all as Mr. Joseph Perez. Joe, happy birthday, old boy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you very happy much. Happy birthday, Joe. This is fantastic. I'm glad you could make it. I'm, I'm, I am happy that the show did fall on your birthday um, and that you were able to to make it. Granted, you're, you're not feeling that well, which kind of sucks on your birthday. Eh, Murphy's Law, it happens. <laughs> Are you still planning yeah, on going out later? Or? No, 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 no. That'll be Friday when I get drunk and do karaoke. Yes, there will be video. Fantastic. I okay. <laughs> cannot wait to see that. So uh, I guess we may as well start with the obvious here because there's no sense going into any of the news for now without first letting Rick finally have some airtime here and give us his thoughts on Bioshock 2 that came out. <laughs> so go ahead, Rick. It's all yours for a little while. Yay! Hey, I'm back. Um, <laughs> you know what? The the more I'm on my, I'm actually on my second playthrough. Did did you guys buy it as well, or am I the only one here that's actually? Oh, I have it. it. I did I not yet. Joe has. All right, I'm in the um actually maybe 20 minutes into my second playthrough of this game, and as much as you guys loved like Dragon Age Origins and and Mass Effect 2 and whatnot, is how much I love Bioshock 2. I the the first ending I got was the you're the ultimate merciful, wonderful, lovely light guy, and now I don't know where I'm gonna go with the second one. But they did such a great job with this game, man. They really did. The combat is fluid as hell. There's, it's just very manic whenever you get into a big fight. Like at one point, you fight two big sisters at once, and that fight is just the most insanely crazy thing I've ever done. And uh, if you have to fight while you're hacking at the same time, that's that's something that's pretty common, especially if you're fighting these new big daddies or rumblers. They shoot out little mini turrets, and you can hack these mini turrets to turn against them. So it's it's really cool. There's nothing to stop the action. The only time that you can, which is a little bit of a complaint, is um, if you decide to cheese it out, you can go to a vending machine, like um, one of the ammo vendors or, or one of the, the, the bargain vendors or whatever, and buy stuff 
from them as soon as you interface with them to try to buy things like what I did this one time, spam buying a bunch of freaking first aid kits because I went through them real quick. Um, it gives you a minute of respite, you know, to just get yourself situated and then that lets you cheese it as long as you have enough money to do that. But uh, other, other than that, one single solitary complaint, I am very happy with the game. The writing is once again spot on. The voice acting is fucking phenomenal. And um, they fill up just about every plot hole that I ever experienced in Bioshock 1. I, I, got, no. um, I have played very little of it, honestly. And the reason I've played very little of it is because I've taken this entire week off of work. Now, you may ask yourself with this game that I've been waiting for for so long, why am I not playing it right now? Well, that's because I'm devoting all my time to beating my second playthrough on Mass Effect 2. And I'm going to be a complete ripe bastard. Okay, now when I get done with this, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to go back into Bioshock 2. And you know what I'm going to do? Nobody's going to hear from me for like three days. You guys think I'm going to be on AIM or Twitter? Uh-uh-uh-uh. The door will be locked, the lights will be turned down low, and there will be surround sound. The little that I have played of it, just to make sure that it's running perfect, I, I was floored, literally floored, by the first five minutes of the game. If you're not caught in the first five minutes of this game, you're not human or you're a fucking cyborg. One or the other. I don't know. Because it's that damn good. It draws you in right away. There are like three major climaxes within the story. Like these points where literally you just shit your pants. It's so awesome. And the cool thing is that the loading screens are very short in between um, in between zones or whatever. Like, you know, when you're done with one chapter, one act or what have you. And during the loading screens is when they play all that oldies, that old timey kind of music. And the music that they choose is so damn appropriate, you know. It's just, it, it. Roger would really appreciate this. This is one in particular climax where some really bad stuff happens. You pretty much, it's it ends on a very very somber, very dark note, and then the song that they happen to play immediately afterwards is a song called Nightmare. I can't remember for the life of me who the artist is, but you you'll get it when I send you the soundtrack. Um, it's just incredible the way they do it, man. They do such a good job. And Joe, um, who's mentioned in the thing, there's one part in this game where you get to actually play as a little sister. And this is mm -hmm. not, not a spoiler or anything, but the world that they see versus what you see as the player, like what, what is reality, it's like they see something totally different. And it really opens up, like it just opens your eyes to the kind of psychological and... Okay, welcome back to For the Lore, everybody. I am sorry for the... the uh, how do you call this? Really, there's no polite way of saying... Clusterfuck. I would, Mongolian except I have to censor myself now. So the, all that rage, oh. that pent-up rage, I have to not just... <clears throat> so I apologize for that. It is... Uh, I am on my other machine now, so there should be far less problems now. Hopefully from now on, just a lot less potty mouth. Um, we were talking about Bioshock 2, and um, I think we'd covered quite a bit of it, actually. So we're actually going to move on from there, because quite frankly, again, there's no transitioning back to, to this in, in, in a positive way. Um, <laughs> yeah, laugh it up, buddy. <laughs> um, Interesting news this week that we had. Uh, we found out that APB is actually going to be delayed until fall of 2010. Now, when they were talking about it as well, they were saying that it, it's not officially delayed because they never gave an official date of release. However, they pretty much said that it was going to be coming out in the spring. They even said that when we talked to them. So in my Correct. mind's view, it is 
it is still delayed. Um, that's why you got to be careful what you tell people in the press or you say period when you're putting something out. Um, the fact that it's delayed until the fall is really, really freaking bumming me out because I was really looking forward to that as a good spring game to hold on to for, for quite a few months. Yeah, I was actually looking forward to that to to bridge the gap in the summer. During the summertime, just historically, games don't have any decent releases. Like there isn't the big blockbuster games, the games that everybody's anticipating usually come out in the fall. And as a matter of fact, I'm I'm very bummed out, not so much because I have to wait, but because now with APB, my time will be split between All Points Bulletin, StarCraft 2, and Cataclysm. And that's going to be very, very hard to do. And I really like APB and I want to give it the time of day, but I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm not kidding myself. I am going to be playing a lot of StarCraft 2 and I'm going to be playing even more of World of Warcraft Cataclysm once that is released. I mean, that's just a fact of life at this point. Oh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I look at it, too. I was looking forward to the game after listening to the interview and the review that you guys gave about it. And now it's just like, I just don't know if I'm going to have time. And you were talking about the StarCraft 2. The StarCraft 2 beta is actually due out this month, they were saying even. Um, What's that? Yes. And it's due for release in 2010. Yeah. So really, that's coming up real soon. Like that's going to take up quite a bit of time. I know that they want to make sure with APB that they're putting out a product that is good and is ready, which is something that we can respect. I mean, in my opinion, we're seeing the downside of putting something out too fast with Star Trek online right now so yes Mm -hmm. taking the time is a good thing however again if you're hyping somebody that it's going to be coming out at a certain time either push harder or just shut up about when it's coming out Um, because it is fairly disappointing i mean between that and the fact that again i have been enjoying star trek online a little bit more lately however i am still finding that it is definitely not a game that is going to hold me that long even with the introduction of of more content. I mean, if you're looking at it, um, it reminds me very much of um, Guild Wars in that people won't, like, they're calling it an MMO, and yet it is so heavily instanced that it is a lonely game to play. If you happen into a group by the random group settings when you go into a, a system, more often than not, nobody is talking to each other. Now, my friends list is not massive by any means, so I'm not always on at the same time as other people as well. So I'm not getting that group setting where I'm with friends and we're we're yakking it up and having fun. Um, But I'm finding it to be quite a lonely game to be playing right now. So, which it was very much the same with with Guild Wars, which I I don't necessarily have a problem with that to a certain degree. However, it's not, it doesn't feel like an MMO. It doesn't feel like something where you're popping in game with a whole bunch of friends to have fun. Yeah, and, and, and I get that feeling too from playing around with it because I see that too. With all the random groups that I'm getting into, nobody says boo. Like it's just deathly silence. There's no interaction between players. And it's, it's a little disheartening, um, but it's definitely not, it doesn't feel like an MMO. It really, really doesn't. I mean, you're right. Everything is so heavily instanced. Um, that said, I'm still having a blast in the game, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's all I see it as. I just see it as a good game, but I don't see it as an MMO. And the other problem I'm having with it as well is that, and this is something that you would be able to relate to as well, Joe, is that again, in in an MMO or, or most games, I like to play the healer, same as yourself. Mm -hmm. So... I was, when I I did kind of mess around with that in in STO and whatnot, and 
because of the way that the game mechanics are set up and because there is absolutely no penalty for death, you just basically start back again and just run back to wherever you were. You don't need a healer. You More often than not, people just want to be able to blast through shit as fast as possible. So there's no need for someone. Like if I'm going down and somebody's tossing me a heal, frankly, I... I, I don't and I and this is coming from a healer. I don't feel the need to thank them because frankly, I don't I don't care. I don't care if I get healed. I well, mean, worst case scenario, I'm gonna blow up in space and then just fly right back again afterwards. And more often than not again, I'm in with a group of people where in I don't know them. We haven't even said hello or thanks for the group or anything at any point. So I don't care. So the that that mechanic of that, that group mechanic doesn't exist there. It's very linear in terms of just go in, blow things up, and then get out. Well, for that one, I'm going to go ahead and reference back to our episode where we interviewed Bill Roper. Bill Roper was making the same comments about uh, Champions Online, where there was really no, people didn't feel they needed a healer, so they actually were revisiting the system to uh, give a space, carve a space for a healer, you know what I mean? Um, put more emphasis on it. I have a feeling that STO is going to wind up doing the same thing, uh, because right now, uh, my ship, that you're like you said, there's no consequence for dying. My ship gets damaged, I just fly right back. You know, I die on a planet, I just respawn. Uh, there's, there's no penalty, there's no XP penalty, there's no durability penalty, there's no, oh shit, my, my Enterprise blew up, now I need to wait for another one to be constructed. It's, you know, oh, I died, I'll just fly back in. Yeah, I am hoping that there are going to be some significant changes, although again, it's, even that said, it, there, it, it feels way different, even trying to heal a bunch of guys there's it's a way different it's 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 not like healing in wow or healing even like in ion it was or any other game where you're playing that healer kind of thing and being that science ship their vessel that is tossing out heals to other um to other whether it's engineering guys or, or or tactical guys it's i don't know i'm i'm just not feeling it it's not the same and it's something that we've been talking about too i've been choking around about but wow for a little while now and mm-hmm. I have not yet resubbed but it is something that with all the faults that you can point to for healing in wow as it stands now I've yet to find something else that is comparable that can come even close to that that and I haven't even done the stuff that you've done with the new healing stuff you know mm-hmm. it's just I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around the the STO in terms of uh, a group setting as well as a, especially from a healing, it's it's nearly impossible. Well, and, and you hit the nail right on the head there. I mean, you, you come from a game like Warcraft where healing is intricate and you have to balance stats and prioritize and play triage and, and, and do all sorts of things that keep you on your toes. Uh, and a healer is a necessary part of any group, just like any Dungeons and Dragons group we would come across. And you go to a game like this, you go to a game like STO and it's just, it's not needed. It's not necessary. And, and you're right. There are no, there's really no other game out there that has that feel yet. Will there be one? Hopefully, I, my personal money uh, is going to ride on Star Wars. Yeah, I it, think. 
Yeah, oh, go ahead. there's a couple of classes that they've talked about as well that that will be able to heal. Um, and it's going to introduce some new dynamics as well with the healing in terms of how it's done and whatnot. So it should be interesting to see how they handle it. But again, they're going to be doing the same thing too, wherein they have, you can either be in a group of other players or you can add your character to it. So it's going to be interesting to see how it's, um, how it's going to be with the, their, how it's going to be with the assigning of the heals and whatnot. Now, that being said, playing a healer in Dragon Age Origins is actually quite fun. I've done mm-hmm. it, and it is actually a blast. If they can bring some of that into the Old Republic, it's going to be interesting to to um, to know, to, to see how they do it. And I agree with you all. 100% will be very interesting to see how they pull it off. Yeah. Moving on from there, because apparently Enrique is quite bored and is messing around with the wave file right now with our show notes. Um, I should lock. There should be a way to lock that shit down so that he can hey. mess around with it afterwards, because nobody cares. Listen, a lot of people are actually playing Kung Fu right now and enjoying it. And the fact that the they're going to be rebooting the beta right now. See, I'm doing it anyways, even though you cross it out. See, this is me doing it. Um, it's going to be interesting because they when they're doing the reboot, they're planning on going out with a bang, which is something that we see from a lot of people, the, the devs, when they decide to go either from close to open or in this case, just rebooting the beta period. They're planning some pretty major events, so it should be fun to actually see what they're doing, See, which is why I put it in there. It's actually not a bad little game. I played it for a little bit. My son played it for a little bit. It's not necessarily something that's geared towards, you know, hardcore players, but it's a it's a cute little game. It's well done. It's not bad. Yeah, but I, I talk about I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, like, when, when we had the technical difficulties, I was talking with, with Joe a little bit about it, and I completely forgot, like, what is this game? I had no idea what the hell you guys were talking about when I when he told me to click through the link and I saw the image. I'm like, oh, I remember this. And it's just, it, it's um, one of those, there's, how do I put this, the free-to-play MMOs, specifically the ones that just you can just download right off the internet, you don't have to pay for anything at all, no, no initial money transaction whatsoever, they... It's it's one of those things where it's a nice little distraction for maybe a few minutes, but they have such an extremely massive game with all this crazy customizable sprite crap all over the place that it's just overwhelmingly boring to me. And and if you're going to go with a, a cutesy game like that, I think we're going to be talking about another one right after this that everybody seems to be paying attention to. Um, Lego Universe the beta signups are up people and Lego universe is one of those games that everybody and their mother has been foaming at the mouth since it was, you know, mentioned parents, children, uh, professionals, everybody has been looking for this and the beta signups are finally happening. Now that's a game that everybody I think wants to play. Um, it's accessible to everybody. It's accessible to families that can play together. I mean, Roger, something like that must be very interesting to you, especially because it'll allow you to play with your youngest. Um, well, I signed up immediately as soon as I oh, saw yeah. the beta signups. I I was all over that, and uh, and I I still haven't heard back, so I'm assuming I'm not gonna get in. But yeah, no. As soon as that sucker comes up, I've already talked about it with my my youngest, and and we're talking about like again, like we are with the Star Wars: The Old Republic, getting a couple of copies so that we can play together at the same time. That's something we talked about before, and again with the again with the APB being delayed. 
until the fall. There's mm-hmm. there's time there right now, which is a rare commodity with me. And with I was banking on spending a lot more time with the Star Trek Online, which is not happening. I mean, it's got to be pretty bad that I'm actually, you know, have I've reinstalled WoW. I haven't I hadn't resubbed, but, but I took that first baby <laughs> right step. There. And so it's it's got to be pretty bad that I'm at that point. But really, I am. Um, other things this week were are, we we found out was the the Borderlands. There is the they did a little bit more talking about the um, the next DLC that's going to be coming along that they're looking at increasing the level cap as well. Th- I know that you guys aren't playing uh, at all or. Or, or next and no, at all. Um, at all. I'm not playing it at all anymore. Yeah, I still am pouncing in every once in a while. So this actually does interest me. If they can introduce enough content in this DLC to make it something that's worthwhile, yeah, I'll definitely want to bounce in and, and play that. Um, and then in the fall as well, or sorry, in the spring as well, we are looking at the Awakening, but we don't know how much game time is going to be on that. And that, of course, is for the Dragon Age Origins. We don't know quite how much game time is going to be, how much... Like we were talking like 10 to 12 hours. We don't know if that's what they're be, saying. Yeah. yeah well, well, so uh, how, how much is it going to cost? Is it going to be like a full 40. blown expansion? $40? 40 bucks. Uh, it, with the initial first game that came with Dragon Age Origins, you're looking at what you guys told me 60 plus hours for 50 at bucks? Easily. Minimum. Okay. Yeah. So now they're going to release something else. They, if the amount of hype and the amount of fandom that this game has built, I, I would really like to see them put out something that was easily as would have as much content as the first one, to be honest with you. For I, I agree. T- 10, 10 to 12 hours for $40 on that kind of pedigree with the Dragon Age Origin kind of pedigree? I don't know, man. See, my the pedigree for them that I hold them up to is not the Dragon Age Origins pedigree so much as the Bioware pedigree. And the fact that they are releasing free content with the DLC stuff for Mass Effect 2 that, no, we're not talking hours upon hours, but, I mean, the, the Normandy Crash stuff, the um, the Zaid quest lines and whatnot, there's, there's a, a lot of content there that they're giving away for free that is fantastic. And here we have... Um, $40 for 10 to 12 hours in the Dragon Age Origins, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, that being said, again, though, I mean, who knows? Maybe it will take a little bit longer to to get through all that. It's hard to say. It, and only time will tell. I mean, me and my friend at work, Dan, we're talking about this. We're talking about the cost for content. Uh, cost for content is roughly what you pay to how many hours you play it. When you buy World of Warcraft, you get 30 days to play it, right? It's a pretty big game. How many hours do you think the average person puts in in their first 30 days, roughly? Do you think they the get first, their... F- mm, the first 30 days, I'd say... The first 30 days. Got, uh, six plus hours a day. That depends. When they were talking well, about, like you're talking about the average players that you know, they just had that thing that they said that most players don't even reach level 10. So Yeah, there's... There's I mean, some interesting things about that, too, though, but that's also because uh, levels 1 to 10 aren't very interesting. Um, levels 1 to 10 are being created by guest accounts, by people that already have accounts, true. trying out another class and then dumping it. Um, there's a lot more factors into that that statistic um, that most don't level past level 10. True, but um, what but, I'm saying is that I don't think you can guess uh, what most pl- people but that's, lo- play. But, but that's the thing. It, it, even if they spend one hour a day on a... 
uh, 31 day a month. Okay. That's 31 hours in a month. Okay. The average person is going to spend more than an hour, give or take roughly if they're a gamer. Uh, so you can average a couple hours probably. I mean, the, your return on investment is higher. So when you're giving a game like, you know, Dragon Age and you're putting an expansion out and you're telling me that it's only going to be like 12 to 15 hours, 12 to 15 hours for maybe 30 bucks is okay. I'm paying $2 for hour. I can deal with that. That, That's a, that's a good return on investment. But when you're talking about 10 to 12 hours and you're charging me 40 bucks, that $10 makes a big difference in my pocketbook. And, 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 and a time where people are more frugal about the money that they're spending are more cognizant of how much money that they're dumping into their games. That $10 matters for so much more. Now I'm hoping, I'm hoping beyond hope that they expand the game and that the, the 15 hours is a conservative estimate or 12 hours is a conservative estimate, but I'd like to see more out of it, especially for $40 on an expansion. See what I'm thinking may happen will be that when that expansion comes out, there will be free DLC that will accompany it that will then expand on the amount of time that's there. That's something that they can easily be do cool. because as it stands now, again, the game is being pre-sold, so you can buy it right now. The price is not going to change. They're not going right. to suddenly refund everybody ten dollars on the you know the purchase that they've already made for the pre-order. So what I'm thinking right. may happen if they've got any class whatsoever is that they're going to dump in some free dlc on the launch to expand it to make it so that okay people are then comfortable with having paid that much for it and that actually makes that that makes a lot of sense though i mean with what they've been doing with me2 me2 is phenomenally successful with their content simply because look how much you're getting you're getting content everywhere even earlier we were talking about you buy diet dr pepper for christ's sake and you're getting content you know that's yeah it's a great model to see. Use. That's the thing, though. I mean, again, and and man, I love these guys. I and I love what they're doing. I haven't hidden that at all, and I I absolutely adore the Dragon Age Origins. But to me, it's as if two very separate departments of sections of Bioware are handling the games because when you're looking at the DLC that's come out or not or taken forever to come out or the the mistakes and the this and the that with the Dragon Age Origins versus how well. Mass Effect 2 has been going. I mean, it's been unbelievable. It's been fantastic. So it's it's very, it, it feels like different companies putting them out. Well, in, in that regard, we, we kind of have to sit and wait too, because don't forget, the original DLC for Dragon Age was solid. I mean, it was released. There was no problems getting it in. You didn't hear about anybody getting their games deleted or losing their, their Bioware points or anything like that. And, you know, you're talking about, Return to Ostagar, which is one small example, um, versus what they've already done up to that point, which was actually pretty solid. And then you look at Mass Effect 2, and they're coming out of the gate running. So you, you got to take the good with the bad. We'll see where it goes in a month from now or two months when they announce like a major content update for it, if they do at all. Speaking of major updates, too, you were talking about uh, Dragon Age, or not Dragon Age, Dungeons and Dragons Online with a huge update right now. Oh, yes. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Update 3 uh, has actually removed a bunch of the stuff that everybody's been bitching about. Uh, Talking about leveling glyphs are easier to get or downright gone. Uh, The content is um, they're trying to replace the solo difficulty. Um, They're they're making it so it's more accessible. And this is kind of interesting because this is a free to play game that I've actually been playing every now and then. Um, It's a lot of fun. The combat system is very, very responsive. Um, It's very interactive. 
Um, and they're, they're still supporting it and they're supporting it very well. Um, it's very casual. Uh, they have a casual difficulty setting now. Uh, it's the lowest difficulty setting. Their uh, update will make, they're making navigating through quests easier. Um, they're talking about leading players just a little bit more. Um, and they're talking about basically revamping some of the stuff like the reincarnation system on top of this they're also adding more content and they're doing it in such a way that i mean you're, you're looking at four different things that they're adding to the game right away um and the game is a lot of fun if you haven't played it download it it's free um and it started out as a pay-to-play game that went free to play which i think is why it's so good i agree with uh with omg sim i think that's why it's so good but it's just it really is good. The graphics are nice. The combat system's great. It's easier to level now. It's easier to, spe to specialize your character. And they're making it so that it's it's good. It, it's, it's a good free-to-play game. It's a good freemium game. Yeah, that's one of the ones, actually, that I would like to install. I have never tried it, so it is one of the ones that I'd like to, to give a shot, actually. Yeah, I've I've tried a lot of freemium games. Um, I've tried Maple's uh, freaking Maple Story. I've tried Ragnarok. I've tried a lot of games like that. You know, I've I've tried um, even Kung Fu to a little bit. Like Lego Universe, I, I'm dying to play this game. Even a, I've I've looked at it so many times. I I don't know why I have not. Probably time restraints. I have not downloaded it. It's a free game and it does it's done very very well. And it actually. It, it looks like I would bother spending time with it, just like I would bother with Lego Universe. But I don't know, man. Maybe it's just a lot of a lot of I guess the Asian free to make the Korean games and things like that. They don't they don't really sing to me at all, you know. And see, and that's the thing. This is does not play out like any game that you've played on the freemium market that you've seen. It's completely different, which is what makes it worth playing, in my opinion. All right. With that, we are actually at our break point right now. So we're going to take a break. Now, Joe, I don't know. You were talking about bailing on your raid because you aren't feeling well. I don't know if you want to come back for a very short um, second part here or if you are going to bail for the night. I will hang out with you guys for as long as I can. But if it gets bad, I'm going to bounce. Okay, how about we take a couple of minutes, you can let your raid know that you're not going to be able to make it, everybody can refill the drinks or go potty, and then we'll come back and go from there. Rock on. Now, let me tell you about the jitterbugwalls, I just want to tell you. That I love you. The Jitterbugwaltz is one of a kind. You'll never, never see it again. Two times in a row. A jitterbug world Come closer, you dirty girl I want to dance with you We can do the jitterbug waltz three times a day. Three times a day. 
three times is just right in my books. My books. We can start out fresh with cream and crime. Doing the jitter, jitter. It's almost time to slow things down. Jitter, jitter. Here we go. Start a new. We are back with For the Lore. Thanks for allowing that short break to just kind of wind down a little bit and suck down some ne- some noodles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this week we had uh, X10, courtesy of Microsoft. Now, the um, they didn't have a ton of news in terms of uh, like a lot of different games. One of the main ones that I was following, despite myself, was, of course, Fable 3. Because yeah. Peter yeah. Moynier can talk a big game and he had talked about they're gonna hate us for this and so i had to see okay what are we going to hate you for i fully believe that it was going to be because of natal i thought that they would make it so that you wouldn't require natal to play fable 3 but they didn't all he said was that they were going to make it even more simple he didn't say even i'm adding the even because quite frankly having played fable 2 and the ridiculously simple combat system in Fable 2. When he's saying it's going to be even more simple, I'm thinking, is the collector's edition going to come with a lackey to press the X button on your controller for you? Because it's going to be that simple. It is absolutely ridiculous. Like, quite frankly, it's... And the thing is, is that I keep... I I think I'm going to need to actually play Fable 2 again um, to see whether or not I was unduly harsh on it. Because of expectations. That's the thing. With with Moneyneer, he talks a good game. So you expect the world. And then when you get the game, it's like you're disappointed. I, I do know that the game, the, the story was good. The story was solid. The, the voice acting was quite good. Um, there were things that I did like about it. But then it certainly was not what they said it was going to be. The consequences to your actions did not exist. Within reason. I mean, whoop-de-doo, you got scars on your back if you were evil and you got the horns and that was pretty much it or you were good. There there really wasn't too much in terms of consequences. The system, the, the, the combat system, because he was trying to appeal too much to everybody, was way, way, way too simple. So 
now he's talking about Fable 3 and what's going to be in it. And again, he's talking a good game. He's talking about how um, they're making a big deal about the weapons, how your weapon will change dynamically based on who you are attacking the most. If you're attacking certain creatures more, your weapon will maybe have more of a blunt edge or spikes. Or if you are attacking innocent people, it will drip blood and things like that, which is an interesting game mechanic. That's going to be cool. What he's talking about in terms of how the game is going to progress as well in terms of being the king or queen and whether or not the promises you've made will if you uphold them and things like that and how the game will progress from there these are interesting and i think he's wording it differently in terms of the consequences than he did with the second one and i don't know if it's because of the backlash from that uh, which is altogether possible i i still am curious i still do want to check it out i i'm I am curious to see it, but Fable 2 left such a bad taste in my mouth. I might have just gone down on a Tijuana and Hooker because it was bad. It was disappointing, and it was nothing but Fable 1 with a dog. You know, it was just, it was nothing. It was really, I feel let down. And yes, he talks a great talk, but so did Hitler. I mean, I'm not, that's I'm, an I'm, interesting I'm, comparison. I'm just going to say wins law on the friggin' podcast. He I'm has just, I'm just gonna go, how many episodes? 20, 22. Okay. But look, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I mean, anybody can talk a great talk. You can get in front of an audience. And if you have any sort of, of social skills, you can, you can mold that audience to what you want. That's going to happen. It's going to happen with anybody. That's why these people are face men. That's why these people go out at these, these conventions and sell their game. And, when it came to Fable 2, he sold the hell out of that game. And I was all excited. And I was foaming at the mouth like, oh, you know, going crazy for it. And then I got it. And I was very let down. And it's really hard for me to get excited about Fable 3, even though it sounds like a completely different game than Fable 1 and 2. It's just so did Fable 2. Fable 2 sounded like a completely different game from Fable 1. And it wasn't. So I will wait patiently and I will see what happens. But I just I have no desire whatsoever to go within 30 feet of that game right this second. Well, the thing, too, is that it's not one of the games that I would definitely be picking up on launch day kind of thing, which is what I did with Fable 2. The thing with Fable 2 is that as well, he really pushed the uh, multiplayer aspect that -hmm. it was going to be unbelievable. And that's one of the things that drew me to it, because basically at the time I was looking for a game that I could play with my wife so we could sit down and just relax and play this game together each having our own characters and whatever you do while you're helping the other one will then be reflected in your character when you're playing solo I mean how much better can it get than that to me that is a fantastic thing you're looking at an MMO style thing wherein you can both have your own characters and reap the rewards of playing together on the same console the co-op was supposed to be that good <laughs> the co-op was a joke when you actually played it it was not just a joke it was terrible it was annoying it was I, I just and we barely ever played it together because of that so now he's talking about co-op as well saying you know, whatever you can do single player, you'll be able to do uh, in co-op. And I'm thinking, I remember hearing that. Maybe not exactly in those words, but I do remember hearing that. Well, I got nothing more to really add to the proceedings that are constructive. So, <laughs> likewise, well, moving on from there, then some of the other games that we were looking at, we had um, Alan Wake had a new trailer. Although, really, there wasn't much else other than the trailer that I saw. No, there wasn't enough about it. Like, it's an interesting 
they're 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 creating a breadcrumb trail, and they really are. They're trying to to lead you to this game, and you know, there's just there's not enough. I'm not drawn in yet. I'm no, not no. excited about it. I mean, I see the trailer, and the only thing I can think out of my mind is a or thing thing in my mind is a low rent version of uh, Uncharted Two. So far, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't even give it, it that. Not even like a B movie uh, version. Not even. I really watching wow. the the trailer. What I equated it to was a you know novella from Stephen King that never quite made it kind of thing. It really was. It didn't. the The trailer for this did not do anything for me whatsoever. Uh, moving on from there, though, we had Dead Rising Two. That I'm excited about. I loved one. One was so awesome and if you can pick it up you can pick it up for like five dollars the bargain bin get it and play it it's hilarious nothing uh really says i love you in a zombie game like beating something with like a wheelchair and i don't know if did you guys watch <laughs> did you guys watch the trailer actually yeah. no i didn't oh, oh my god okay <laughs> I, I, I love i love my zombie games i love my games where i get to go in and just rip the shit out of zombies in Dead Rising 2, they let you combine weapons. So you get in the scene where he takes a kayak paddle, and on either end of the kayak paddle, he ties a chainsaw, and he calls it a paddle saw. And he just goes, and he's just <laughs> cutting heads and cutting zombies in half. He's beating a zombie to death with a roulette table. Uh, I mean, he's, he's going absolute bonkers. He puts one in a, uh, a wheelchair and just runs over every zombie in sight. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, the first game, I mean, you're, you're a reporter being dropped into the zone. Um, and, and in this case, in the first one it was a mall. Um, and you're basically trying to take pictures of this event, trying to report on it. Well, it's a zombie invasion. You wind up getting trapped in the mall and you're trapped overnight. Uh, and number two, you're in Las Vegas and that setting by itself I can't wait. Now, this is a console game. This is not a PC game. Um, but, oh, my God, I can't wait to kill me some fucking zombies with a goddamn paddle saw. <laughs> Let me tell you. So, All right. Yeah, my two cents. That, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, next up, we've got Final Fantasy thirteen that they showed us some new stuff. The, the big thing that they kept talking about for uh, Final Fantasy thirteen was the, the uh, 250 gigabyte pro version of the console, which with the the game and and whatnot which i don't know didn't do much for me i wasn't that uh not interested no i, I, I it was yeah. funny because they keep talking about if you're a 360 enthusiast and this and that this is for you if you're a 360 enthusiast you've already got a console you don't mm -hmm. need yeah. another one so no i really don't care i i i, I want to say that i think most of us have kind of outgrown the whole final fantasy thing to be honest with you at least in my case i i saw final fantasy 13 and i there's not a single thing about that that really intrigues me uh, i'm all. in the same boat as enrique i mean i don't know i yeah. i'd like to see more that's the thing if they could give a little bit more do something a little bit different then maybe we will see something that will hold us a little bit longer Let's you, you know what, what, what I'm going to see, what I'm going to do, the same thing I do with just about almost every other Final Fantasy game after, like, Final Fantasy X. I'm going to go on YouTube five days after the game is released, and I'm going to watch every cool cinematic, and then I'm going to be satisfied. I can I can back that. That's, that's what I did. 
<laughs> Come on, let's just be honest here. That's, that's what most of us do. It's like, hell, to be honest with you, I did that shit with Dragon Age Origins. Like, you guys are talking about it a lot. I want to see the cool parts. Click, click, click. Archdemon. Nice. All right. Yeah. You know, that, that's how I got my fix. I mean, the last... The last Final Fantasy that I was completely, absolutely, positively gun ho about was Seven. I played the shit out of Likewise. Seven. I, I played the shit out of Seven <laughs> to the point where my PlayStation ate my disc. Okay, I, I and I no longer own a copy of it. And one of my deciding factors of wanting to buy a PlayStation Three is so I can download the game again and play it again. I mean, after that, I just kind of checked out. I mean, there's there's Crisis Core was good. Um, you know, there's some other stuff like that, but I mean, it's, I'm just, I'm not excited about Final Fantasy anymore. Quick, quick question. If they remade seven before, before we go on, if they remade Final Fantasy seven, I thought they pretty much said up? that they would never remake seven. Yeah. They, if, they've, they've they gone on record to say they won't touch it. But if they ever did, would, would that motivate you to buy a PlayStation three if you didn't have one? Well, I'm already going to buy a PlayStation three just so I can play seven again. <laughs> that answers that question. <laughs> uh, what else did we see at X10? We saw uh, Halo a whole Reach. bunch of yeah, Halo Reach and DLC information as well for Left 4 Dead 2 as well as yes. Modern Warfare yes. 2. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I'm just a little bit excited. Just a tiny bit. <laughs> just a tiny bit? <laughs> look, 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 look. My, my love affair with the Halo universe is a weird one. I... I've played every freaking Halo game that there is, and even, even I don't I don't own a 360. I go to my cousin's house, I steal his. I literally walk in, I tell his mom I'm taking it when he's asleep. I take the damn thing, and like he he calls me later the next day, all pissed off, like wondering who the hell stole it. And it's usually me, and I play just nonstop until my eyes are red. And you know my wife walks in and goes, "Oh crap, you got the 360 again." And you know eight hours later, I I give it back to him. Like I do these these manic sessions with the Halo games because I love the story so damn much and Halo Reach, just it looks phenomenal and because it's the last game that the Bungie development team is gonna be making before they pass everything on to uh, Microsoft's internal you know people whatever the hell, they're they're making a really good looking game man and just cool as all hells you, you know you could always do a melee attack to some you know to an enemy in the back it would instantly kill them now if you do it you know with the proper stealth or whatever they'll get a special animation the one that they had for now for the alpha was you know the master chief or whoever it is you're playing as the the spartan you're playing as lunges up on the back of the dude holds his arm up takes a combat knife out of the armor jabs it like down into his collar and then leaps off the freaking elite and the animation for that looks fucking awesome <laughs> I mean, God, that was cool just watching it. So, yeah, I'm very excited for Halo Reach. I think That's, Rick needs newer pants. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the games that I know my kid is going to want to play like crazy. I've only played a little bit of the Halo, actually. But, I, again, it's one of those games that I play with my son. So my, my son plays most of them. But, I mean, he is literally still working on the achievements um, right now for three. Like, he's, he's having an absolute blast still just doing that um so yeah no this is going to be interesting to see what the uh what the actual gameplay is going to be like throughout the game and 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 how long how, did they actually talk about how long they they're looking at a game gameplay wise mm, they haven't said how long it's going to be but it's uh, sammy in the chat room is putting, bringing up a very good point the one thing that has me enthralled about it is that they're going to make it one big persistent world of a game 
It's not like the other Halo games where you go from area to area. This is a world as the world, and you have to go from area to area and do whatever it is you have to do. And we know how it ends. We all know the way the story ends. It's kind of like a prequel. You know, we know the planet's going to fall. We know the Covenant takes it over. We know that all the Spartans, save one, are going to die. So what happens during that game is going to be kind of a big deal. As far as how long it'll take, I don't know, man. Most most Halo games are rounding, I don't know, 20, 30 hours tops, and that's if you go balls out and just do every single achievement and all that stuff. I don't really know how much time I spent on the original. And that's, that's I, I'm, I'm really happy that people are enjoying the uh, the game, but like the Halo series I never really got into um, <laughs> at all. Oh, what are you laughing at, buddy? They're making Monty Python <laughs> jokes, and I'm, I'm trying real hard not to pay too much attention to it. <laughs> hey, hey, that's my fault. I started it. This is why we have a live chat audience, because it makes the show that much more dynamic when you are looking at it. And I kind of needed that laugh tonight. <laughs> so uh, we've also got, like I was saying, the uh, Left 4 Dead 2 DLC oh, yes. as well. Yes. 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 Not only Left 4 Dead 2, Left 4 Dead one this is, dead one this is really important because they are still releasing a dlc for the original left for dead just for this oh and and this one is for sammy they are also at the same time of this as soon as it is released um uh, it's called the passing is coming out for left for dead 2 dlc it's um where you tie in both the four survivors from the original game and the four survivors from left for dead 2 are going to meet with each other um the old, the original survivors will not be playable, but they will play a role in in the whole scenario and whatnot. But immediately afterwards, there's going to be a comic book that is mm-hmm. going to be released that will explain what happened in between the events of Left 4 Dead 1 that brought the original survivors to the you know where they're at in the timeline for this DLC, which is supposed rural to happen. Georgia. Yeah, would, yeah, it was supposed to happen like right there in rural Georgia. That's going to be. Man, that's gonna be something else. Let me tell you. Depending yeah. on how they do it with the two teams, that is what I'm looking forward to. That would be amazing fun. I'm just really impressed with the fact that they're still they're still putting content out for the first game. Well, yes and no. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the game came out. I mean, everybody bitched to complain because two came out so soon after one was out. We have to remember that out. We're not looking at years. Oh, one no. was out not that long ago. But when they made a sequel, right? Doesn't that kind of like write off? Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're trying to move forward, I guess. They're trying to be progressive. But, you know, I I don't know. I was kind of surprised to hear this. It's not a common trend. And that's what really makes me happy about it. Definitely, yeah. So. You you know what has me kind of confused? I mean, obviously, we're going to bring up, you you cannot bring up any kind of Valve thing without asking where the hell is episode three for Half-Life 2. And we're not sure when, yeah, when that's going to happen. But you know what I'm kind of noticing? We haven't heard anything about that, but they seem to be pumping a lot more into an actual story, into an actual series of events with the Left 4 Dead franchise, you know? So what if they're trying to make another legitimate franchise? You know, like, they're, they're known for Half-Life. They're, nor, uh, they're known for Portal, which is nothing but an offshoot of the Half-Life universe. So what else will they be known for? I'm thinking that they're going to make their next big, you know, big name kind of IP thing is going to be the whole Left 4 Dead. That whole is going to spawn many games, many universes, the same kind of cult following that Half-Life has. I don't know. I think you're reaching on that one. I don't know, man. I I don't know. You, You ask anybody out there and they've, if not heard of, then they've played Portal, and they know what Half-Life and Half-Life 2 is. And when you hear Left 4 Dead, a lot of people know it, but not everybody. 
Yeah, but to say that they're going to be able to branch out Left 4 Dead 2 series that much, I really don't buy it. I mean, yeah, they can branch it out somewhat as they have with the 1 and the 2, but really at its core, it's still just a zombie shooter. You can only go so far with that. I mean, once you toss in the Valentine's Day cards, you can only go so far with the IP. Well, between the plushy head crabs and the you know that the plushy um, first aid kits now that apparently you can get you know wear all across your back and whatnot. I mean, I I don't know, man. I'm kind of thinking in my head that Valve has just as a as a game company has kind of a following going on with them. Everybody knows the crowbar. Everybody knows you know the Gordon Freeman kind of stuff. So you know Half Life and all the things they're in are kind of like a household name for a gamer. I wouldn't be surprised if they do end up pushing this kind of thing with Left 4 Dead. I mean it, the the writing's on the wall there. If people are doing like the Valentine's Day card you saw that you saw, I think is um that the person DV in our Beavertron or whatever. Is, uh, is that where you got it from? I don't remember. She she has a bunch of the original ones as well. That's like a hunter's pouncing on Bill and it says tickle fight and it's a Valentine's Day card with a bunch of hearts <laughs> and it's just freaking hilarious stuff, man, that I've seen. And it's like what is like a boomer puke and it's like I can't contain my love for you. It's just, it's some funny, funny stuff, you know. That yeah, I don't really see yeah, that. Yeah, but that, that's you know? not going to move but, an well, IP forward. That's just yeah, well, silly yes, crap. I, yes, it can. I mean, think about it this way, though. The silly crap creates the cult following, which creates the interest, which keeps people playing the game. The more people play the game, the more people, the more the more call there is to flush out the game. And with a zombie game, there, there's a lot of different things you can do besides just a zombie shooter. You can start adding mystery, like what caused it all? What was the first, you know, the first outbreak? Um I mean, hell, and if nothing else, you just make it like a fucking Zombieland type game, and it's win. I mean, hey, Zombieland's bad as hell, man. <laughs> Zombieland was absolutely amazing, but I mean, it, it there is a lot that they can do to keep the IP strong and going, and they can add story elements to it, sure. I mean, people, there's been other games that we thought didn't have such strong story elements, and you know, they become cult classics and spawn off, uh, you know, comic books and uh, fan fiction, fan art and everything else. So there you go. I mean, it, it's it's possible. I just want I would love to see it happen. I mean, I'm a I'm a zombie fanboy. Let's let's get that straight. Um, but I would love to see them flush it out. And I think they have the opportunity to do it. You know, it would be cool instead of releasing the storyline and making an actual franchise like what I'm mentioning in a game. Do it like well, they're they're doing a comic book. That gives you the entire story and lore behind the the original survivors, Bill, Francis, Lewis, and and Zoe, getting from point A to point B to bring them kind of like back into the timeline, bring them back into into the spotlight. If that's successful, man, I don't know. I think it'd be a smart idea to make more of those kinds of things, more of those kinds of comics. Well, that's the thing, too, that we're seeing with Mass Effect 2, where in the comics oh, for yeah. that that are coming out are selling out immediately. They're doing fantastic. The so, no, not just the Bible, the actual comic that's going on right now. There's the, so far, they've got two of the four that are out. And the, the first one sold out fairly fast, but the second one was out in, like, a matter of days it was gone. And I actually didn't even score a second one. I want to read because it's the story between one and two so yeah no if they can start introducing this kind of thing in between sequels they're really going to see a lot more interest in the ip now that being said we are going to call it a wrap for tonight there wasn't much more to go on for the uh, x10 that really thrilled us that much make sure to listen to the podcast however because there's going to be a fantastic uh, segment from vince simodian 
on we're going to start doing a regular segment for the team for Mass Effect 2 and each episode of this podcast we're going to have a segment from Vince that's going to tell us about various people various team members until we've covered them all so I've listened to this first one on Jacob it is fantastic I'm really really looking forward to hearing more of these from him so make sure to listen to that and as well we're going to have the last part of Legere's tale from Joe and that like I said is going to call it a wrap for tonight we will talk to you next week when we're expecting like so few problems that I'm jinxing it right now and saying there will not be any Jeopardy music next week it's on the table I've laid it out no Jeopardy music that's that and with that I'm going to go pass the hell out <laughs> alright so thanks again for coming out folks that's it we'll have a short post show and uh, thanks Joe for lasting this long with your cold oh, thank you later guys happy birthday later. man hello everyone this is Vince from MassiveNerd.net bringing you my weekly Mass Effect 2 squad member biography Please note, these features do contain spoilers, so if you have not finished the game yet, now is the time to stop listening. This week's character is the Cerberus operative, Jacob Taylor. Jacob served in the Alliance military for several years. He was one of the few survivors of the Geth attack on Eden Prime, which players of the first game will remember as the starting point for Saren's rebellion and the impending Reaper invasion. Seeing the Citadel and the Alliance treat the near destruction of a colony with apathy, Jacob became disillusioned with the military command. After the truth about Sovereign and the attack on the Citadel is swept under the rug, Jacob quit the military. Obviously, the Alliance did not have humanity's best interests in heart. At this point, iPhone and iPod Touch users can experience more of Jacob's story through the Mass Effect Galaxy game. Jacob's former commanding officer informs him of a Batarian plot against the Citadel, and he goes off to investigate. This is the mission Jacob refers to when he says he worked alongside Miranda in the past. After successfully stopping the plot, Jacob sees that he can do some good in the galaxy and joins up with Cerberus. Jacob's role in Cerberus is an interesting one. He knows that some of the branches of the organization are up to no good, and sometimes their actions can be seen as too extreme. However, Jacob believes that Cerberus, as a whole, is interested in protecting humanity, so they have his loyalty for now. It is this combination of compassion and duty that leads Jacob to a strong relationship with Shepard. He is one of the few characters that responds positively to both Paragon and Renegade dialogue options. Jacob may not agree with every decision Shepard makes, but as long as Shepard still has the big picture in mind, Jacob plays the good soldier and follows along. Jacob's loyalty mission, The Gift of Greatness, finds him pursuing his long-thought dead father. After ten years missing in action, the distress beacon of his ship suddenly goes live and starts sending out signals. Heading out to the far reaches of the Terminus systems, Jacob is not happy with what he finds. The plant and animal life on the planet is toxic to humans, not lethally so, but ingesting it leads to a degradation of mental activity. Jacob's father, assuming command after the crash, restricts access of the ship's emergency rations to the officers. The crew members revert to a primitive lifestyle, with the women becoming docile and open to any advances. Growing accustomed to his new lifestyle, Jacob's father starts eliminating the other command officers, eventually becoming king of his tropical paradise. He only activated the distress beacon when his subjects were in danger of overthrowing him. Seeing what his father has done, Jacob feels no remorse. His only goal is bringing his father to justice, though he leaves the method to Shepard's choice. 
This is the core of Jacob's character. Doing the wrong thing is excusable as long as it's for the right reason. He agreed with his father limiting the rations when it was in everyone's best interests. However, once it started hurting the lives he was responsible for, his actions became inexcusable. It is heavily implied that Jacob and Miranda had a romantic relationship, though that didn't work out. In Jacob's words, Miranda deserves a better man than me. However, this does not mean that Jacob isn't good enough to be a romance option for female shepherds. Jacob is not a difficult guy to get a hold of. Simply ask him about his family, and the dialogue options for romance will open up. When the time comes to hop the Omega-4 relay, Jacob will join you in your quarters and perform his duty in advancing humanity. It is important to note that Jacob is the only human-male relationship option in the game. Now, in combat, Jacob is closest to the Vanguard class. He is a mix of biotic and combat abilities. Unfortunately, he is not terribly great at either. Pull is a nice ability, but only useful in conjunction with other biotics, which Jacob lacks. Limited to heavy pistols, shotguns, and inferno ammo, Jacob is effective against armor, but only useful against shields and biotics at close range, which puts him in an interesting predicament. He likes to charge into battle and get close with his shotgun. Sadly, he does not have the stats to support a frontline fighter, and his barrier skill is not enough to make up the difference. Jacob is a very handy character early in the game, but quickly falls behind the other squad members in both biotics and combat. Many pass Jacob off as a generic character and leave him on the ship as soon as there's a better option. While it's true that Jacob is nowhere near the top of the list in combat ability, if you take the time to form a relationship with him, you'll see that Jacob is a very deep character with his own motivations for joining the Normandy crew on their mission. My name is Joe, and I am from For the Lore. This is the last piece of Chapter 1 of Loder's Tale, Shatterpoint. Loder stared at the face of death, the Lich King himself. Should he run? Should he attack? He was certain that any outright aggression would be his end. Before he could decide, the Lich King raised his hand, and Loder flew towards him. His throat in the demon's hands ripped right out of the spirit realm. Shamanism has brought you here. Its scent permeates the air, he laughed. I was once a shaman. The Valkyr turned towards the Lich King. Shall we prepare it for you, my lord? Never removing his gaze from Loder. No, minion. This one is not ready. Do you feel it, mortal? Death seeps through me, enveloping all I touch. With just a snap of my finger, your soul will languish in damnation for all eternity. But it is not yet your time to serve the Lich King. Yes, a greater destiny awaits you. Power. You must become more powerful before you are to serve me. He turned to the winged harbinger at his side. Now watch, Valkyr. Observe as I apply pressure. Can you see that it is not yet ripe? Watch as it pops and falls lifeless to the floor. Power ebbed from his gauntlets enveloping a loader. It felt as though every fiber of his being was on fire, burning through the very core of him. The Lich King let go and loader fell with a thud. There was darkness here now, creeping in at the sides of his vision. As he lay writhing in agony, he could feel the light being ripped from him, draining him of his strength, of his very essence. 
until nothing was left but a shell. He wanted to scream but could find no voice as he lay there crippled, staring in the darkness. There appeared from the tree line five figures. The form of a Talbuk, the spirit of the hunt, accompanied by the shades of the elements, striding forward to surround his body. The Talbuk reached down and touched his forehead, and the approaching darkness was replaced by binding light. Loder gasped as he felt the cold air fill his lungs once again. Coughing, he rolled over to his side. The pain was still there, but the fire had been doused. The Lich King took notice of this and laughed, the haunting echo of his sinister snicker pulsing through Loder. He shook as if he had just been hit by a wave. Persistence or stupidity, it matters not. Let this be a lesson learned, mortal. The Lich King pulled out the cursed blade Frostmorn. Loder was now on his back, staring up at the vile villain, watching as the blade was brought to bear just a few short feet over him. Loder's pain redoubled. He could see his soul begin to leave his body, tendrils reaching for the blade. It was then he felt a cool comfort begin to flow over him. The totem Nabundu had given him began to glow and pulse slowly. Warmth began to flow into Loder's body. Noticing the resistance, the Lich King growled and Frostborn flared. The sword's carved eyes staring hungrily at the soul just out of its reach. It was a battle of wills, and neither were Loder's. Slowly the strength was fading from the young shaman when the totem around his neck began to draw his essence into itself. Loder's eyes began to swim, the darkness now returning. The last thing he saw before he lost all semblance of consciousness was the briefest glimpse of a diminutive figure charging towards the Lich King from the lines of the homes nearest the village. Then, Loder knew darkness. Loder could not see, but he could feel. He felt the warmth of fire, the coolness of water. He could feel the push of the breeze and the softness of the earth. Then there was light, soft and warm, inviting. He could see the four elements here, the spirits earth, water, fire, and air surrounding him. They were silent and for a time simply watched him. Then in time they too faded. No words or emotions shared. Again he was in darkness. Shortly after that he was in pain again, excruciating and mind-searing pain. He felt once again as if he was on fire burning from the inside out. It aided him slowly consuming his consciousness. Loder woke, screaming at the top of his lungs. It was several moments before he realized the pain was gone. He opened his eyes expecting to see the harsh ankles of the giant's buildings. Instead he was greeted by the warm glow of crystals and the soft hum of power. Rolling his head from left to right he saw the muted blues and purples of the Exodar surrounding him. Had it all been a dream? He certainly felt still mostly asleep. He sat up slowly, closing his eyes. He placed his head in his hands, trying to shake the cobwebs. He looked up from his hands and stopped. Standing in front of him was Nabundu, and next to Nabundu, the prophet Velen himself. A ring of peacekeepers behind them. Nabundu walked up to Loder. How do you feel, my boy? Well, I hope. Loder tried to speak, but found he had no voice. He closed his eyes and shook his head, trying to shake the, shake the last bits of haze still clinging to him. It's okay, Loder, Nabundu said, putting his hand on his shoulder. Look inward and center yourself. Loder closed his eyes once again, willing himself to calm. He found his center and held on to it, trying to pull himself back to normalcy. 
It wasn't long before he felt the haze begin to fade. He opened his eyes and looked around again. He went to stand up and looking down to find his footing saw hands that were not his own. Feet smaller by far than his own and a chest that protruded far beyond where his own should be. He tried to stand quickly and turned to face Nabundu, but fell flat. Two peacekeepers searched forward to help Loder on his feet. What? What has happened to me? Loder gasped as he heard the voice that was not his. Nabundu walked forward once more slowly. I think, my boy, it's time we explain some things. Please sit, and I shall do my best to impart the tale of what has transpired. Loder complied and sat down with the assistance of the peacekeepers. What is the last thing you remember, my son? Loder thought about it. I remember feeling like I was being drained. And then I saw my dwarven friend Yeva running to try to save me. Oh, oh no, Yeva! Relax your horns, you dolt. I'm right here. Loder saw the dwarf standing next to the prophet, looking a little worse for wear, but otherwise all right. She smiled and nodded for Loder to pay attention to the seer. When you came to me with your vision, I feel that you already knew what it was about. I did confer with the spirits, our ancestors, and sought guidance. I learned of what would happen. I hope you will forgive me, but there is much I could not tell you. You could not and still cannot know the extent of your role in the chain of events to come. It is one part of many pieces to be laid down. We could not risk that your actions would change, so we kept it from you. There is still more to come again. We cannot share, and for that I am sorry. Here are some hard truths, secrets that we keep from the general knowledge. But the time has come for you to know. Nabundu nodded to Velen, and the prophet dismissed the peacekeepers. They are at the back of the crystal hall. No one would hear them here and the peacekeepers would make sure none ventured in the hall until the meeting had concluded. The prophet, Nabundu, and Yeva all sat around Loder. There are many things that we hide from the light so that things do not get misunderstood. Take, for example, the totem I gave you. It is a spirit vessel carved from the wood of the world tree. The magic warlocks used to create soul stones to fuel their dark arts is a perverse version of something shamans have done for a long time now. A spirit vessel allows for us to carry the souls of the departed to their final resting place. In your case, it fought to contain your soul so that the corruptor could not bend your essence to his will. Loder looked at him, stunned. That was something no one knew for sure, and he could understand why they kept it secret. I sought aid in watching you. Fireseer Umbro and Stormwind suggested that we contact Yeva here. I hired her to watch over you and when the time came that your soul resided in the vessel to return to me at all costs. She did just that. I'm sure by now you're wondering what has happened to your body, yes? Loder gave him a looking over. Smaller hands, smaller hooves, breasts. Yeva handed Loder a small mirror. Yep, he was now a she. Loder sighed and slumped down slightly. Nabundu continued his explanation. The new body is something that combines an old shaman practice with the power of the light. This is where the prophet has helped us. Velen bowed, slightly smiling. Shaman have always been able to speak and commune with the spirits, 
to gather advice from our ancestors. In times of dire need, we have even been able to invite the spirits to coexist within ourselves for a while, giving them a body for loan, so to speak. We took the soul vessel and coaxed you into a body you are now. Velen then performed a redemption of the light, allowing your soul to permanently reside within that body. This is very similar to the spells that Ner'zhul and Terran Gorfin twisted and warped to create Death Knights. The Lich King as he is now with the knowledge of Arthas does this so completely and effectively, all the while warping their essence and tying it to his own to control them. The body you inhabit was a warrior of the light. She fell in the first seats of the Wrath Gate. She died in the tents there. Before she died, she asked to keep fighting the Scourge, to keep fighting for the Alliance. Her only desire was to protect this world from what happened to our own. She was brought here, her soul shattered, and no longer able to be resurrected. She has found final peace, but through this action of ours, she may in some way keep fighting on. Unlike a Death Knight, though, you are not undead. You will breathe and live as you did before, albeit in a different form. For that, I am truly sorry. But it would not do to force you into the body of another who may yet return to it. I do hope you understand. We are truly sorry. Loder mulled it over. He was alive, that was a bonus. He had faced the Lich King in the eye and not begged for his life. He could fight on as he did before. It would not be so bad. What? What happened to my real body? Yeva stepped forward. That I be having an answer to. When you went down, your soul was scooped in the totem. One of them winged banshees swooped into your body and snatched it. There was no way we could have recovered it. it it's part of the scourge now. Um, I'm sorry. Loder tried to stand and fell flat on his face once more. They rushed to help him back up to sitting. This... This is going to take some getting used to. Loder looked at the trio before him with eyes that were not his own. Thank you. All of you. He looked at the prophet. I would bow, sir, and show proper respect to you, but I fear I may crack my skull. Giving them all a quirky smile. Velen smiled, nodded to them, and they made his way to the back of the Halls of Light. Nabunda clapped Loder on the shoulder one more time. There is much for you to do, my student. We all have our parts to play in the events about to occur. I have played mine, but no, I am always here if you need advice. Patty and Loder showed her the farseer turned and made his way back to the corner of the Exodar. Loder looked at Yeva, still there staring at him. Well, she explained, I think you'll be needing me around for a wee bit more. I'll just stick around till you get your hooves back. The huge grin stretched upon her face. Loder leaned forward and gave the dwarf a huge hug. He didn't let go right of way. Yeva hugged back. There were no words more to be said. You sound magnificent. Lower, higher? A little bit higher. Interesting. Yeah, right there. Up, that's the spot. There you go. Okay, now in in small semicircles. <laughs> Counterclockwise. 
And don't you dare look at me. <laughs> don't speak. You'll ruin the imagery. <laughs> There's a fantasy going on, and if you speak, you'll ruin it. I feel very, very dirty, and I feel like I should go wash myself in bleach. Thanks. I woke up all sicky and achy, and I've been drinking vitamin C all day. Oh, damn. That means I'm like the youngest one here, aren't I? There's never pop in the house. Unless my old man is coming to, to visit, and then it's only his mix for his rye. <laughs> See, oh, look, there's an apple tree. Oh, imagine that. There's apples on the ground right close to it. <laughs> Hilarious. Hey, Hoogs, fuck your mouth. Ooh. Is he Not really 40. that big? I doubt it. Ooh. <laughs> I really, really doubt it. Like an anteater. <laughs> what? Okay, now I'm going to have to go Google that shit. <laughs> it made no sense to me. <laughs> no, I'm going to get a giant jug of orange juice. I'm happy. Uh, dude, the wife picked up like a juicer. Okay, last week. And we never had like a juicer before, so I've been like making juice out of like everything, just going crazy making juice. And it's really good, it's delicious, but what you what they don't say in the instructions is that shit goes through you something fierce. Like I mean fast. Pun intended. Like Dude, if I got into an accident and somebody had to resuscitate me and give me mouth to mouth, my ass would whistle. Okay, it cleans you right the fuck out. <laughs> oh my god, Roger. <laughs> True. It's like an explosion. <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of juice, enjoy that orange juice, brother. I will. I will. Yeah. My ass ain't whistling yet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Fine. Just give me a minute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm writing that down. All That's why I was earlier when I said, okay, I got to go fill my glass. I made a stop. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I love you guys. You guys are so retarded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Just, we gotta regain our composure. We gotta oh. show podcast. <laughs> My belly is full of noodles. All right. Oh, you've already given up on this one. It's it's a done oh, deal. Is... <laughs> Just wrap it up and toss it out like it is. Oh yeah. I mean, seriously, this is gonna be like our outtake episode. Just, the entire yeah. thing so nothing but outtakes. That ain't gonna happen. Like an anteater. Like an anteater. Like an anteater. <laughs> Shark. <laughs>